Hello and welcome to the 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility Radio Show. Each episode, Lynn and Mustachio will explore continuums of meaning, varied perspectives, and thought seeds to place in the garden of the mind. Who knows what will grow? So sit back, stand up, drive or jog, whatever the motion may be, we are here to support each individual's journey to define health, happiness, and a humble perspective during the information era. Enjoy. Greetings! Today is Saturday, July 30th, 2016 at 8.18 in the morning here in the hot South Perry District of Spokane, Washington. Seemingly, summer has just begun. We've had a few rainstorms out of nowhere, which I enjoy. It's as though Mother Nature helps me water the yard. (laughs) Many times I was working or doing some sort of activity, feeling a little bit guilty that I hadn't sufficiently watered the yard. And then boom, out of nowhere, crazy rainstorms. This happened about three times. I would like to say thank you, Mother Nature. A helping hand is appreciated. Today's episode is Season 2, Episode 3, Ten List Goals, Cognitive Tarot with Tim. This episode will be our first interview episode here at 3H2 Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility. This interview was conducted on July 12th, 2014, a little bit over two years ago. Back in 2014, July of that summer, (laughs) I spent a couple weeks in San Jose. This was the official beginning of my radio show adventure. I requested interviews from friends and family members And uh, a handful of them agreed. (laughs) I was reassured. The core of my friends and family agreed to help me out. They didn't know what a cognitive tarot interview was. (laughs) For many people, novel or new information is a bit scary and it can be off-putting. This is where trust comes in. Lucky for me, my friends and family trust me, at least to some degree, (laughs) and were willing to play with me, to go along with my little game. It was an experiment. I wanted to experiment with interviews without the pressure of releasing them. The interviews were conducted before the podcast began, before there was a meaningful website, or any web presence, 3H2Humans was quite mysterious. (laughs) It was difficult to even explain what what 3H2Humans was back then. I do encourage people to trust friends and family, close people, the inner circle. If approached with some crazy new idea, from a loved one, play along. We talked about that, uh, yeah, Mustachio points out. (laughs) Humble perspective. One of the points we talked about was 
going to someone else's pink zone, sharing a joy with someone. I believe a large part of this is trust. And I have found a consistency. The more people trust themselves, the more likely they are to trust others. I believe this is due to intuition. Those who trust themselves, trust their intuition, and thus trust their behavior and experiences. Those who don't trust themselves and lack a trust for their own intuition tend to be more closed off, unable or unwilling to tiptoe outside of a perceived comfort zone. (laughs) And that's what cognitive tarot does. It kind of shakes people out of the past and into a present moment awareness. And I believe it takes trust to go to the present moment with someone. It's easy to ramble on meaningless stories about the past and about people who I don't even know. That's easy. What's difficult is talking about now, engaging in critical thinking, displaying signs of conscious communication, and a conscious selection of words rather than through subconscious, mechanistic, autopilot processing. Okay. (laughs) That's how this episode is going to be different. This episode is different in that the second segment will be a real live display of what cognitive tarot is. It was two years ago. I've done (laughs) many interviews and reads since then and I've built off the system that was created two years ago. I have ingested, reflected, and modified the system for cognitive tarot. This is the beginning. (laughs) So enjoy. Today's listener challenge has to do with present moment language. It is listener challenge number 17. When communicating with others, be conscious of present moment stimuli. If in person, focus on objects in the room or anticipated areas of business to cover. Minimize stories from the past. Use stories within 30 days. Humans change rapidly. Relay ideas from a present moment mindset to increase present moment language. To relay a story from several years ago gives an appearance of few events in between then and now worth speaking about. Practice what is preached. Be in the moment. Introspect. Explore. Who am I today as opposed to past or or future versions of myself? Wow, that's a tongue twister. (laughs) Okay, that is the listener challenge. Present moment language. This one was in the listener challenge pool. I keep a document of potential listener challenges and just kind of grab them. This was the one for today. I felt as though it tied into many of the themes we will speak about today. I think this is especially important for leaders and especially, especially (laughs) important for leaders who teach communication and present moment awareness. Practice what is preached, be in the moment. (laughs) I get a kick out of each time 
a, a guru or a yogi or someone with a really fancy name title does an interview and they talk about achieving present moment awareness. When you are in the present moment, you do this and you do that. Okay, that's great for me, but what about that person? That person right now is displaying a lack of present moment awareness. <laughs> Yet they're teaching present moment awareness. I find this extremely ironic. A way to avoid this is to be in the present moment, to slow down thinking, to recognize stimuli in the room. When I speak with people, I can feel when their consciousness is in the room or elsewhere, and especially on the phone. I think that's one of the reasons why I really don't like speaking on the phone, because I can feel it when someone's not paying attention. And if someone's not paying attention, what's the point of being on the phone? <laughs> Pay attention. If engaging in a conversation with someone offer them present moment awareness or walk away. I was real proud of uh, someone I've been working with. He was venting and we were talking about a complication and he said, you know what? My mind is so much on this problem, I have to go. I need to take action. And I said, yes, go, all right, see ya. Hang up, move on, boom, done. We were engaged in a present moment conversation. Instead of pretending like, all those other things weren't on his mind and just going, uh-huh, okay. And that is when I believe past storytelling comes up. A person is avoiding the discomfort of the present moment and escaping to the past. It's an escape. It lacks pink zone tangibility. So it can essentially be anything. I can say I was a magical dragon seven years ago or I will be a magical dragon in seven years. Both of those statements lack present moment awareness. <laughs> this is the listener challenge. Listener challenge number 17. When communicating with others, be conscious of present moment stimuli. A way to get started taking action is to introspect and explore who am I today as opposed to past or future versions of myself. Analyze this question. Become comfortable with the past version of the self, the current version of the self, and the future version of the self. Mustachio and I both feel this is a key to present moment awareness, is in a sense, allowing for peace with all three versions of the self. The 10 list is for goals. This one is a little different. We have devised a new meta for interviews. <laughs> As we will go over soon, I explained to a fellow podcaster, Jeff Augustinelli of The Next Level, that one of my goals is to move interviews to the next level. <laughs> I analyze speakers for fun and for work. So it's a full-time thing for me. There is really no difference between an analyzation of someone for work and someone for fun. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> I enjoy it because I learn and I grow and I learn and I grow with others. I feel this component is lacking in a modern interview format of 
standard questions about the past. This interview engages critical thinking. Many of these topics in the 10 list were subjects in the interview, which is coming up. <laughs> this list was created a couple weeks ago, after two years after the interview. It wasn't until recently I've kind of Frankensteined this system together. So it's, uh, it's like duct taped together. We're going to see how it goes. <laughs> I think many people have felt that. The kind of, oh shit, here we go. Where it's going to be a bumpy road, but it's going to be okay. That's how I feel this episode is. It's going to be a little bit of a bumpy road, but it's going to be okay. Masajo says to explain the interview system. How is it different? What is it? In a bulleted fashion, there is an interview with tarot cards using the note cards we've created here at 3H2. So that's step one. Record an interview with cognitive tarot cards. Step two, let a bunch of time pass. <laughs> Step three, give the interview to the person who was interviewed. Step four, discuss the interview with the interviewer. Any pieces which stick out, I have a mastermind. I'm a strong believer in a masterminding approach to things in life whether it's concrete or creative. Many minds nurture the ground. Many minds nurture the neurons. <laughs> As a part of the discussion, a 10 list is created. So the next step would be to receive a 10 list from the person who was interviewed. This allows for a varied perspective from mine and mustachios. It allows for planting of the thought seeds of another person. So the person who is interviewed comes up with a 10 list. And then that 10 list is sent through the 3H2 filter. <laughs> it is 3H2 humanized. <laughs> and then turned into a radio show. That's what we're thinking. We do appreciate feedback. Send it on down. And we also are curious of other people who are changing up the interview format. I believe Joe Rogan has done a great job with this. His is a lax conversation, often in a productive manner. I am curious of other speakers who are experimenting with interviews. So if there's a speaker out there experimenting with interviews, let me know, or a listener of a show that experiments with interviews, fill us in. Okay. It's time to move on. <laughs> the 10 list goals cognitive tarot with Tim. Number one, strive for pink zone tangibility with others. Number two, keep track of spontaneous information. Number three, visualize a successful day. Number four, learn from trial and error. Number five, follow through with action. Number six, let thy word be thy honor. Number seven, 10 list life priority annual goals. Number eight, identify areas for improvement. Number nine, under promise over deliver. 
And number 10, balance exercise, diet, and sleep. This 10 list is a mastermind between us at 3H2 and my brother. (laughs) So it's pretty cool. Thank you, Tim. (laughs) I appreciate you being a guinea pig. All the crazies need one. (laughs) Out of the 30 or so other interviews I have, I chose Tim as the first because I believe of the group, he is most capable of critical thinking and most likely to offer usable feedback. Those two things are huge for me within my life. Whether it's personal or work, I enjoy being around people who are capable of critical thinking and capable of relaying usable feedback. I believe these are foundational components of a healthy society. If a people within a culture are thinking, so when I say critical thinking, I'm talking about being in the present moment, viewing something with infinite possibilities rather than one binary yes or no answer. Critical thinking is alive. It evolves rather than being stagnant. Right now, (laughs) and frequently, I am starved for critical thinking. (laughs) I feel many other people are. That's another reason why we started 3H2 Humans, is to satisfy that hunger for critical thought. And I believe when a habit is nurtured, such as thinking, then it happens more frequently. And that is why I chose Tim for interview number one. I have not selected interview number two yet. If anyone out there listening to this broadcast in current time and has conducted an interview with me, let me know. You would like to be up to bat. (laughs) Okay, so the 10 list. We shall dive into the summaries for each point. Number one. Pink zone tangibility with others. Write down goals as a means to create a tangible, concrete list of desired outcomes. When goals are written down, chance of successful completion of the goal will increase. When thoughts become a thing on a tangible piece of paper or a saved document, pink zone tangibility is achieved. Begin this journey with a pink zone tangible object. Create a 10 list of simple goals to be accomplished. So number one, pink zone tangibility with others. It's easy to talk and think about doing things. It's much more difficult to write them down, to share them with someone, and become accountable for actions. That's what pink zone tangibility with others is. Creating some sort of document or thing that is measurable and objective. I recommend a 10 list of simple goals to be accomplished in a daily manner. Maybe it's something such as drinking three bottles of water or eating a fresh vegetable each day. Simple, small goals. Start with 10, knock them out, and that will create inertia and build on that. Develop larger goals off of that one basic goal. That is number one, pink zone tangibility with others. Number two, keep track of spontaneous information. 
Write down ideas as soon as they pop up into conscious thought. Ideas are pliable and shift rapidly. Keep a notebook, phone app, whiteboard, or other writing utensil on hand to jot down ideas as part of a daily habit. When spontaneous ideas ripen, they fall fast from the tree of knowledge. Be prepared to gather a bounty. So this is number two, keep track of spontaneous information. This ties in with Pink Zone tangibility. I personally keep a notebook. This is where I keep track of spontaneous information. (laughs) Anything that pops up that I may need, it helps keep me organized. I believe when I have an organized environment, I have an organized mind. And in order to be successful with goals, one of my prerequisites is organization. So I do recommend keeping some sort of device to keep track of spontaneous information. Number three, visualize a successful day. As a daily morning ritual, plan each day's events through an optimistic lens of productivity. Note appointments, deadlines, and other time-sensitive tasks. Do this before email is opened or interaction with others takes place. Prioritize one's own needs first, then add requests from others. Strategically place beneficial activities such as exercise, yard work, and me time on a schedule. When tasks are scheduled, they are more likely to occur. Visualize success. This is number three, visualize a successful day. To visualize a successful day is another way to create positive inertia. A conclusion I've come to is successful leaders visualize a successful day. (laughs) And success is going to mean something different on an individual basis. But the idea productive, action-based people do is create positive inertia. Humans are essentially their thoughts. I think of this regularly. I get to choose whether or not I have a successful day or a day of failure. The same stimuli can occur, but it is me who chooses how it is designated. In setting goals, visualize success. Imagine how it feels to achieve those goals. Think in a positive way. And that is number three, visualize a successful day. Number four, learn from trial and error. Perceived mistakes often become fruitful learning experiences. Those who learn what not to do often gain a valuable perspective from a flawed initial first plan. In contrast, those who complete a task with ease the first time around skip lessons which are brought on through trial and error. Deep layers of wisdom can be found in mistakes. Ingest, reflect, and modify. How will behavior change next time in order to achieve desired results? So number four, learn from trial and error. There is a connection between a flawed initial first plan and deep layers of wisdom. (laughs) Ah, On many days, I think people get this or they don't. People are able to analyze benefits or sometimes the mind's just too mucky. Be conscious of these variations of perspective. 
engage trial and error with a positive lens. Channel that frustration into creativity and then package that up and apply it to the goals. (laughs) That's number four, learn from trial and error. Number five, follow through with action. Plan for attainable small goals first. If exercise is the goal, start by lacing up shoes and simply show up to a gym or activity. When a goal is pursued, follow through with action. Explore methods of accountability. State, I will be successful with this goal. Share the journey with a friend as an accountability partner or use a calendar to track binary achievements. For example, instead of jogged four miles, keep track of a yes or no binary response for exercise that day. This is number five, follow through with action. We talk about infinite possibilities, many outcomes, and a non-binary approach. Sometimes it's helpful to take a binary approach. For number five, follow through with action. Action is similar to a neuron or a gun. They either fire or they don't. There isn't a try. A neuron doesn't try to fire and a gun doesn't try to fire. There either is or is not an action. This is one of the laws of nature. As with laws, it is applicable based on perspective. From this perspective, (laughs) follow through with a simple action of jog or no jog. This is a complication with starting exercise programs. I've noticed this within myself and others. There's a desire to do too much or to have too specific of a goals. I will jog four miles. So then if two miles is jogged, that's a failure. We want to create wins. We want to create that positive inertia. When beginning an exercise, have it be binary. Lace up the shoes and if it's a jog, count walking around the block. That's okay. It's the beginning. Number five, follow through with action. Number six, let thy word be thy honor. Be a stand-up person. If something is voiced as a truth, become the truth. Practice for one week. Any commitment voiced is a commitment fulfilled. Be mindful of synchronistic events during this week as they are likely to rise. When a person speaks with honor, those within the environment tend to do the same. Give honor to receive honor. And that's number six. Let thy word be thy honor. (laughs) Yeah, this is Mustachio and I tinkering around with the list. When we do these 10 lists, they are masterminded and then put through the 3H2 filter. (laughs) This is an example of that. Honor ties into goals. Similar to organization and many of the points we speak about today, it's like a web. They all help each other and rely on each other. Let the goals created have honor. Allow them to be forward moving goals to benefit the soul. If a goal is to own a fancy watch, think about why, think about what that means. If a goal is to exercise more frequently, examine that as well. Peel back the layers of the goals for honor and ask, are my goals honorable? Number six, let that word be thy honor. Number seven, 
10 list life priority annual goals. 2016, 17, 18. Pick a notable day of the year to represent creation and completion of a 10 list. Allow the 10 list to focus on life priorities for oneself and family unit. Consider both the self and others when constructing an ideal list of annual goals. This day will become a day for inner reflection. Of 365, one day can be spared to visualize an advantageous year ahead. Once the list is created, spend time and energy on the items, one day at a time. Number seven, 10 list life priority annual goals. This is an annual activity to get together in a family unit or on one's own. And think of 10 goals to be accomplished by the end of the year. And allow this to be a yearly ritual to focus on those 10 goals. And each year, upgrade them. Humans are creatures of evolution. Allow the first set and the first time this is done for the goals to be a bit smaller, less risky. <laughs> this exercise creates pink zone tangibility, allows for deeper layers of reflection, to have a concrete object to explain a past mindset, to gather that past mindset with a current mindset and create a new future mindset. All through a 10 list. <laughs> that is number seven. 10 list life priority annual goals. Number eight, identify areas for improvement. Ingest, reflect, and modify vices, addictions, and areas for improvement. Invest time towards care and repair of less than desirable character traits. Once initial fear of confrontation has passed, vices slowly but surely fade with time. Sample with cognitive tarot. Learn how to approach character traits through randomization. Randomization evokes critical thinking and tests perceived norms. Test perceived norms of one's own character. Number eight, identify areas for improvement. Oftentimes, for me, my vices, addictions, and character flaws <laughs> get in the way of successful completion of a goal. Perhaps it's to jog every day, but then that day there's a sporting event and my friends are tailgating and day drinking and I didn't get a chance to do it in the morning. And then I go tailgating. <laughs> And because I've been drinking and partying and eating and having fun and all those other ings that prevent me from jogging and working out. Number eight is about identifying those areas for improvement. A fail safe may be to set up a reward system. This has been effective for me. So now the new me, if I want to go to an event that is likely going to sabotage a goal, I need to complete that goal before that stimuli is entered into my environment. Examine areas for improvement. Recognize vices and weaknesses, all those scary things. Dust them off and realize, eh, they're not that scary. Build fail-safes, create systems, 
There's ways to work around a challenge. That's number eight, identify areas for improvement. Number nine, under promise over deliver. Add buffers of time to commitments. Whether the buffer is 15 minutes for an appointment or two weeks for a long project. A buffer becomes a win-win for all parties involved. In general, people appreciate expected commitments to be within the time frame discussed. Under promise and be mindful of the uncertain nature of life. Over deliver. Treat each person with ethical consideration. Number nine, under promise over deliver. This type of mindset is beneficial when applied to goals. If a goal has something to do with a time commitment, add buffers. Be mindful of time frames. Use this as a phrase to think about when applying action to the goals relative to oneself. Under promise, over deliver. Whatever that goal is, take it one little step farther. Perhaps it's doing three sets of kettlebell swings every day. Maybe add some push-ups to the exercise, a little sprinkle on top. Under promise, over deliver, number nine. Number 10, balance exercise, diet, and sleep. Develop a weekly sleep, diet, and exercise schedule. Experiment with varied times of day for activities. How many calories are spent on a daily basis? How much sleep is needed? How vigorous of a workout does the body crave? Spend an hour each day dedicated to exercise and prioritize sleep in the evening. In between exercise and sleep, become mindful of nutrition needs of the human body. Think preventative. Give the mind and body a boost to counteract effects of aging. Okay, so number 10, balance exercise, diet, and sleep. These three basic needs pop up consistently in 10 lists. <laughs> and this is perhaps because I need to continuously remind myself to take care of these. Balancing exercise, diet, and sleep is difficult for all humans. Life changes. There's environmental stimuli, which is difficult to control. So plans need to be altered. Like a fine suit, <laughs> it takes time to create that ideal fit. And then once that ideal fit is recognized, it changes again. <laughs> Two main points in here I encourage people to think about in terms of applying these foundational components to goal setting is to how much sleep is needed and how vigorous of a workout does the body crave. For me, these two variables weigh heavily in the balance. How much sleep do I need? That varies. Sometimes I can do quick naps or short nights of sleep. And other times I need long times of sleep. Also with exercise, sometimes I like to walk around, meander, not do vigorous exercise. And sometimes I crave it. I just, I need to go on a jog. I need to detach from the world and run and investigate and explore. Number 10 is about listening to intuition, about a balance between these three. Take into consideration advice from others 
But as a number one, learn how to groom intuition to recognizing what the signal is for exercise when the body lacks certain nutrients and signs of exhaustion. The body speaks. Sometimes it's a challenge to translate those words. Intuition can help with that translation. That is number 10, balance exercise, diet, and sleep. The 10 list, goals, cognitive tarot with Tim. Number one, strive for pink zone tangibility with others. Number two, keep track of spontaneous information. Number three, visualize a successful day. Number four, learn from trial and error. Number five, follow through with action. Number six, let thy word be thy honor. (laughs) Number seven, 10 life priority annual goals. Number eight, identify areas for improvement. Number nine, under promise over deliver. And number 10, balance exercise, diet, and sleep. And this 10 list was a masterminded list a combination of Tim's written list, perspectives from the interview, and then the 3H2Humans filter. And I spoke from first person. This is the approach I took this time. I'm not quite sure how it's gonna go in the future, but I feel putting words into other people's mouths is a shaky ground. So rather than say, Tim said this, or Tim thought of that, to take a more objective approach to the information as a whole with a twist of my own personal perspective to relay many of the bullet points that Tim brought up. Kind of view myself as the water and Tim is the gardener. He planted the seeds, he took care of them and nurtured them and they grew and they fruited and Mustachio and I are the rain which fell from the sky. (laughs) Today we have two five lists. The first one is fantasy TV, and the second is for music albums. Fantasy TV, number one, Dead Like Me, 2003. Number two, Star Trek Enterprise, 2001. Number three, The 4400, 2004. Number four, My Name is Earl, 2005. And number five, Quantum Leap, 1989. These are some of Mustachio's and my favorite fantasy TV. (laughs) We're a bit silly in that we enjoy the land of fantasy and dragons and monsters and wizards and all that kind of stuff. Synchronistically, I was listening to a podcast about language and the person had pointed out a similarity between spell, a wizard casts a spell, and spell, to spell in human language. It was really neat. I'll need to look it up. I've been on a round of introductory podcasts, so I have just been inundated with new stimuli and I haven't organize the information in my mind or in the pink zone yet. (laughs) But I did enjoy the episode and I had an epiphany. 
I trusted his perspective and I went to his world and I visualized the concepts he spoke about through his filters. And that is pretty crazy. A similarity between a magical spell and to spell in language. And essentially both of them have magic. They are intended to create some sort of a perspective, either through a magical spell or spelling a word or speaking a word. Neurons change upon that stimuli. I'd call that magic. (laughs) And magic, I believe he described it this way. And magic is something which is not understood. That's why it's magical. The human brain is barely understood. I'd consider that magic. Okay, (laughs) number one, Dead Like Me, 2003. I talked about this in season one before this formula came out, before we became a bit more organized, and I wanted to include it. The writers and actors, producers, costume design, the show is a well-written and portrayed show. It offers many thought seeds towards unique thought. That's what I liked about it. It's different from the fantasy TV shows and movies I'm used to. And that's what I want (laughs) when I watch TV. I want an escape from the present moment, from whatever it is I'm doing, and go to someone else's creative realm. Dead Like Me offers a tantalizing and stimulating creative realm. Number two, Star Trek Enterprise from 2001. This is the one with Scott Bakula. There are many Star Trekasies, Trekasies, Trekasauruses. <laughs> many of the Star Treks of the shows, this one is my favorite. It started off super awesome, the first two seasons, I believe. And then it started to jump the shark and the women's outfits became smaller and the instances of war became more prevalent. It just turned into a cookie cutter primetime TV show. But the first two years, the beginning of the show, it was innovative. The costumes were realistic. I don't think a woman on a starship is going to wear a mini skirt and have cleavage and <laughs> I have a feeling she would want to wear an outfit that would allow for moving around and doing cool adventures and stuff like that not going to a cocktail party she's on a starship <laughs> a star trek enterprise was a family show i watched that with my parents And it was something all three of us could agree on, which is really strange. The three of us have different TV viewing habits. We could agree on Star Trek Enterprise from 2001. If there is a family event, perhaps sample this as a happy medium for family entertainment. That is number two, Star Trek Enterprise. Number three, the 4400 from 2004. Similar to Dead Like Me, the 4400 offered a unique plot line. (laughs) I enjoy unique plot lines. And it's open-ended, 
allowing for vast changes. It deals with superpowers. And with each show, I questioned, ooh, what cool new superpower am I going to be exposed to this time? And how are the characters going to interact with that new character and the new superpower? And that show helped me lose weight. (laughs) I used to watch it while I worked out on a step climber. So I'd step climb and I'd watch 4400. It was awesome. (laughs) So perhaps that's a fun show for working out, keeping the brain active. I've noticed for me when I do indoor workouts, I like to watch TV and movies and TV shows, not live TV, no commercials, none of that bullshit, just straight up content. That's number three, 4400 from 2004. Number four, My Name is Earl, 2005. This show was introduced to me by my man companion. (laughs) This was a happy medium for us to enjoy watching TV together. (laughs) Because we can watch TV together, but for us to enjoy the same program, similar to finding a similar program for my family, it's difficult for me to find a similar program with friends. My name is Earl, was stigmatized in my brain. I had a dogma, a stagnant, bullheaded belief that it was a stupid show. (laughs) It was going to be like clerks, just people standing around doing nothing. It was going to be stupid, and I didn't give it a chance until it was on in the background, and I allowed it to continue. As supreme leader of the TV remote, (laughs) I allowed the ridiculous show to be on in the background. I believe I was cooking at the time. And there were some funny jokes. And the premise of it was misunderstood by me. I thought it was about nothing. But it's not. It's about karma. And it's well written. The people who wrote, produced costume design, all that stuff, behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. My Name is Earl is a great show. One of my favorites. (laughs) And I had a negative stigma against it. And that was the same with Joe Rogan. I was like, oh, he's just a big dummy. I'm not going to listen to him. And I opened up because of a friend. This goes back to the trust thing. I trusted my friends. And I do trust my friends. And I allow myself to be exposed to new stimuli instead of living on a hamster wheel of past perceived ideas. Expand horizons. Explore with My Name is Earl, 2005. Number five, Quantum Leap, 1989. Quantum Leap was a favorite fantasy show of mine growing up. Perhaps it was one of the things that shaped my character. The lead character in this show became different people and needed to empathize with that person and the people in their environment. And he needed to learn skills and be a new person every day. That's a belief I hold to this day. Each morning I wake up, I'm essentially, and when I say essentially, I mean at its essential component (laughs) on a molecular level, I am a different person. My neurons are different. My molecules are different, my blood, 
my body fat, muscle mass, all these things are going through micro changes. Quantum Leap is an exaggeration of those changes. Masterfully written. This is another. Uh, yeah, it, it, okay, so Monastasio points out that's kind of one of the get in the door <laughs> criteria for the TV shows that we recommend at 3H2 Humans is that it's well rounded. This show is well rounded and has a unique plot and one from the soul and learning. It's soulful learning. I'm grateful that I was exposed to Quantum Leap when I was a child. It was probably a babysitter. (laughs) And a damn good one. (laughs) All right, that is Quantum Leap number five for 1989. The five list fantasy TV shows. Number one, Dead Like Me. Number two, Star Trek Enterprise. Number three, The 4400. Number four, My Name is Earl. And number five, Quantum Leap. Next up, five list music albums. Number one, Morchiba, Who Can You Trust? Beats and B-Sides, 1996. Lazy Boy, TV, 2004. Number three, Tovlo, Queen of the Clouds, 2014. Number four, Jupiter Rising, The Quiet Hype, 2009. Number five, Tupac Shakur, Are you still down? Are you? (laughs) 1997. These are the five list music albums. Of all the albums Mustachio and I could have picked for this, we chose these. (laughs) Precisely why? Meh. Who knows? But we'll go over some bullet points on why these made the list. Number one, Morchiba. Who Can You Trust? Beats and B-Sides. This CD was introduced to me by a classmate in a karate class. I took Shotokan Karate at West Valley Community College. And there was a lot of sparring. So it helped me work on my people skills. (laughs) And the number one rule of Shotokan Karate is to better one's character. So I was in. This is a, it was a good environment for me. And the friend gave me a burned CD of Morchiba. And she had said that she does her katas, her exercises to this music. And that she thought I would like it. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool, kind of random, but all right. I didn't know her that well, but enough. <laughs> and I listened to the CD and I really enjoyed the music. It's unique, well-produced, melodic, captivating. It's been in constant rotation since then, since the early 2000s. And Morchiba has come out with more CDs since then, and I've been buying them. I've enjoyed listening to some of the newer albums as I drive to California. And I've listened to it driving to Colorado, out on the open road, just me and Morchiba in the desert. (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) The perspectives and music are aligned with the types of things I enjoy most. 
I encourage people who are seeking something new with music. Well, and then again, I'm, I live in a cave, so maybe Morchiba is huge out in the world, but I haven't heard much, and it was recommended to me by a friend, as opposed to heard on the radio or something. Morchiba. Number two, Lazy Boy, the CD TV. This is another one a friend gave to me. <laughs> and this was opposite. Mustachio points this out. I didn't even recognize this connection, but the first CD, Morchiba, was given to me because the person enjoyed it and thought that I would enjoy it too. The second CD, Lazy Boy, is the artist, and the CD is called TV, was given to me by a friend who ended up with it somehow and thought it was crap. (laughs) He pretty much said, this music is the worst crap garbage I have ever heard in my life. You are gonna love it. He was excited about how crappy it was and how that correlated with how much I would enjoy it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's friendship right there. And he was a musician, like a, a metal musician, thrash metal and all that. And I was more into electronic music and stuff like lazy boy this is where trust and not giving a shit comes in my karate friend didn't hesitate and say oh it's weird to give this person a cd she just did it same with this friend he didn't hesitate and say i'm gonna call this garbage but then give it away it's those things don't matter that's just fluff it's the intention the intention is to share something these two events helped teach me this lesson, that the fluff doesn't matter. I listened to the CD and loved it. (laughs) And it is a bit crazy. And this was back uh, over 15 years ago or so. Let's see, what's the, uh, 2004. Yeah, I probably got my hands on it before I left for Washington. I'd say around 2005 or six, probably 2006-ish. Wow, so 10 years. It feels like 10 light years. (laughs) I encourage people who like the funky to explore the CD, Lazy Boy TV. It's neat. There's facts in there. They talk about just reading the headlines. There's one man, woman. Uh, It's about differences between men and women in a humorous way. The motives and core beliefs of Lazy Boy on the CD TV are similar to those of 3H2 humans. It's difficult to articulate. (laughs) Maybe that's why I enjoy it as much as I do, because it's difficult to articulate. All right, that is number two, Lazy Boy TV from 2004. Number three, Tovlo, Queen of the Clouds. From 2014. I have talked about Tovlo before. I enjoyed this CD tremendously. Similar to Lazy Boy, I can identify with Tovlo. 
and I enjoy the layout of the CD where it's a story and a bunch of little stories. So it's a sequential story about love. <laughs> it's genius. It's the different stages of relationships and love from that passionate honeymoon stage to meh. <laughs> and the breakup and everything in between. I encourage people to explore the psychological components of Tovlo, of the songs on Queen of the Clouds. And I checked recently, there's a remastered version. I have purchased it, but not listened to it yet. And even though it's probably not a huge difference from the original CD, I believe Tovlo is worth it. If she put the extra effort and put a CD out, I want to support her career. I feel society in general benefits from Tovlo in public eye, sharing her thoughts, expressing herself creatively. If buying the same CD twice will help feed that feedback loop and encourage people such as Tovlo to follow their passions, as opposed to serve me gluten-free vegan pasta at a local restaurant, Tovlo belongs on stage. Her message is worth investigating. That's number three, Tovlo, Queen of the Clouds. Number four, Jupiter Rising, The Quiet Hype. I discovered this CD when I lived in Seattle. I lived in the Ballard area. Holla, anyone out in Ballard? <laughs> Near the water, I jog down to the water's edge, go to the locks. One of the posters in the Mind Seed poster, one of the pictures for Message of the Mind, series one, was taken at the Ballard Locks. When I found this CD, I listened to it over and over. <laughs> at the time, I was looking for a CD to jog with and clean the house. This CD is well-rounded. It has a high-energy beat and thought-provoking lyrics, which, similar to Charlie Hohen, Jupiter Rising in many of their songs talks about the darker sides of success and being beautiful and all of those stereotypes. They present a bit of a different view on life and the human struggle. Jupiter Rising, The Quiet Hype, is a diamond in the rough. Number five, Tupac Shakur, Are You Still Down, 1997. Synchronistically, <laughs> this five list was selected for this episode without conscious knowledge of a connection between my brother and Tupac. It was through him and hanging out with his friends in high school that I was exposed to Tupac. <laughs> I was a bit of a punk rocker back then, but I enjoyed Tupac. That was really, Tupac was one of the few hip hop and rap artists which I enjoyed at the time. I was engaged in different genres and I was younger then. My stigmas and stereotypes were a bit stronger. I didn't stray as much from my comfort zone of music I would normally listen to, but hanging around my brother and his friends, we listened to Tupac and I listened to the words and I could feel the beat. I recognized there was something more than just music. 
And it wasn't until recently that thought seed planted back then in high school fruited. Part of the time I wrote the book, Pish Posh Words, I was listening to Tupac. It was on in the background as I was writing or in an earbud as I walked around the neighborhood at three o'clock in the morning. More than a musician, I would consider Tupac a philosopher who used music as an outlet. I believe there are different distinctions and categories for musicians, different motives, perspectives. I believe Tupac's to be that of a philosopher. He has some wisdom. It requires an open mind and a bit of hunger for critical thought to dive in to Tupac's world. That's number five, Tupac Shakur, Are You Still Down, 1997. This is the five list music albums. Number one, Morchiba, Who Can You Trust, Beats and B-Sides. Number two, Lazy Boy, TV. Number three, Tovlo, Queen of the Clouds. Number four, Jupiter Rising, The Quiet Hype. And number five, Tupac Shakur, Are You Still Down? Next up, we have announcements. The first announcement is for the guest spotlight on Tim for the cognitive interview. We go over self-evolution, communication, and goals. This was recorded in July of 2014. We ended up pulling a range of cards, the Seven of Swords, Eight of Cups, Five of Wands, the Page of Pentacles, the Fool, and the Hermit. The interview will follow the announcements. Next, we talk about feedback from the podcast reviews. Last week, I reviewed and sent an email to each of the five entrepreneur podcasters we reviewed here on the show in episode one. A basic templated email was sent to each. We're going to go over that basic template. And my objective was to complete the feedback feedback loop <laughs> at Washington State University I took biology or uh uh I mean psychology <laughs> and learned about feedback loops how a system feeds itself Mustachio points out the uh the little bird that pecks water and then bounces back, pecks water and then bounces back. It's similar to that, where there's an action and a reaction. Action, reaction, action, reaction. We at 3H2Humans believe feedback works in a similar way, that to just say something doesn't hold a lot of weight. That's yellow zone. I don't know if the person understood my perspective, We don't know if we understand each other. Over the last couple months, we've been investigating reviews and hope to contribute to optimization of the review system. This is the biggest part. (laughs) Creating some sort of feedback loop. I think that's why the review system is a bit broken online right now. For instance, I was looking at Trish Blackwell's reviews She has 300, so that's a lot. 3H2Humans has three. She has a substantially more amount of reviews. 
And then I thought, okay, I'm curious, what, what do these reviews say? What are in them? What constructive feedback is she getting? And the majority of them are, I'm sorry it took me so long to respond. <laughs> I'm sorry it took me so long to write a review. Great job, five stars. I know I said I was going to review a couple months ago. You're doing good. Five stars. Love this show. Five star. I mean, it, it doesn't seem as though there's much constructive criticism. And how do people learn and grow without constructive criticism? And also people apologizing? <laughs> so I do believe Trish is actively requesting reviews. But what kind is she requesting? That's what I'm wondering. I have so many questions about the review system. And the conclusion that I've come to so far is that three well-dones and three suggestions create a well-rounded approach. And this conclusion (laughs) is with less than desired amount of feedback of the five podcasters emailed, Only one of them engaged in the feedback loop process within a week. Recognize a week is a relatively short amount of time, but that's all the experiment called for to see which of the entrepreneurs would engage and desire to reach pink zone tangibility. A common variable I've noticed with life coaches and many entrepreneurs is they're quick to tell someone what to do and they're quick to brush off feedback. Because feedback is different than criticism. And I believe many people lack an understanding between the difference. I am pleased to report. (laughs) I did get one brain snack. (laughs) In a state of ketosis, I am starved of critical thought, Any little scrap that I get these days, I appreciate. (laughs) Any inkling of critical thought or human behavior in a world full of robot zombies. (laughs) Okay, we're working on the template right now. I encourage people to create templates. If there's gonna be some sort of a mass communication taking place, and by mass, I mean more than two people. I consider three people mass communication. If I'm gonna tell the same thing to three people, I'm gonna word it once. Have all the information in that, then copy and paste that, and then add extras. Add the personal things, the concrete, Information which does not change is only written once and it's refined and then a personal touch is added. This is what I do and I'm curious what others do. Here is an example of the initial communication. This is the first I've done. This is the first reviews I've done in iTunes. I've contacted very few other podcasters. I can count on my toes with my shoes on the amount of podcasters I know in real life. (laughs) All of this is new for me. And I tend to run experiments when something's new. This is the beginning of this experiment. 
In the last week, I've changed and updated some of the templates. And that's why I like templates, because it's like creating a hoverboard. Many people recreate the wheel with emails. I like to create hoverboards. How can I speed out of here? Rather than retyping the same thing over and over, and then it's sucking worse and worse as the more fatigued I get, a templated format gets better. It grows and evolves. Rather than degrading, it upgrades. Templates are living creatures. <laughs> Here is the template for the reviews. Here is my interaction with Jeff Agustinelli of The Next Level. He was the only one out of the five to engage in that feedback. I did hear back from Michelle Mazur. She said thank you for the feedback. And then I had asked her, <laughs> <laughs> with her kind of canned response of oh thanks for the feedback and not commenting on the feedback at all I didn't expect much and she has a degree in communication for some reason I found people with degrees in communication are some of the worst communicators <laughs> the name of her podcast is Rebel Speaker I replied to her thanking me for the feedback and had said, as a rebel speaker, do you have feedback on the feedback? Kind of, uh, it, it frustrates me when someone calls their podcast something and then I test that behavior and they don't do it. Uh, it's extremely frustrating. And maybe she's on a Caribbean cruise or something. I don't know. But I had high expectations and... Jeff Agustinelli of the Next Level podcast was the only one of the five to fulfill it within a week. I predicted all five would respond and I would have some sort of a feedback loop within a week. And this is because these podcasters are regular producers. And on the podcast, they talk about interactions with the public. I wanted to pick... <laughs> The five that would have a high likelihood of success. So these were the ponies I bet on. And one of them made it to the finish line. <laughs> okay, so the template is... So this is the template with the personalization. Greetings, Jeff. I have been listening to several podcasts lately and do not recall the show I first heard you on. Whichever one it is, I'm glad you were a guest. Since then, I have subscribed to the Next Level podcast and have been following your journey in entrepreneurship. I host a podcast called 3H2Humans Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility. On the most recent show, Season 2, Episode 1, I offer speaker insights into five of 3H2's top-rated entrepreneur podcasts. The next level is number three on this list. If interested in an audio version of the feedback regarding your show, tune into Season 2, Episode 1, around 38 minutes. Three well-done characteristics and three improvement suggestions are covered for each of the five podcasts. This review has been posted to iTunes and the 3H2Humans website. Thoughtful, action-based feedback is hard to come by. 
Hopefully this review will be helpful towards optimization of your show. I enjoy listening to the Next Level podcast and hope to hear your perspective with regard to the content of this review. Leonardo. At the end of each, I did request a perspective with regard to the content of the review. And Jeff responded, Hey, Leonardo, I appreciate the review. I welcome feedback and your points of improvement are pretty spot on. Thanks for tuning into the show and for taking the time to offer the insight. All of the best, Jeff. That was a nice response. He has a warm greeting and I'm a stranger. This is, uh, we spoke in an earlier episode about the old witch, how the old witch knocks on people's doors and she gets turned away. Then someone lets her in and she's a magical fairy. And then after it's known she's a magical fairy, everyone's, all the villagers welcome her. I believe it's a true test of someone's character, how a stranger is treated, how an unknown person is approached. And I think Jeff's response was warm and welcoming, thanking me for tuning into the show and offering insights and wishing me the best. As a super critical person, (laughs) as far as everyday people go, those who do not specialize in conscious communication, his response was above average. It's not quite at the optimized level. The optimized level would have been a point by point comment on each, just a quick, hey, this makes sense, or no, it doesn't. Like agree or disagree. Let the person know who's offering the feedback if there is an agreement or a disagreement towards a certain perspective. That's all these are, our perspectives. There is no right or wrong or good or bad in reviews and feedback. All perspectives, ever-changing mindsets. And I responded, glad to hear you appreciate the feedback. I take a mastermind approach to learning. The more perspectives, the better. Do you have feedback on the feedback? Your thoughts are appreciated. And he responded, yeah, happy to do so. I think on the improvements, I would like a little more specificity. I kind of know what you mean, but not completely. I get the idea what you mean by the use of you, but I'd have to go back and listen to that episode to really get it. The second point is easy to understand. And the third one, the first part is clear, but not totally sure what you mean by 10 point list. Maybe a list with 10 clear actions. Hope that helps. Have a great rest of your week. That was another warm, conscious greeting. He addresses each of the points, gives some soul-based human feedback and perspectives. He points out I could be a bit more specific with the points that I'm making to help get us into the pink zone. Because right now we're in the yellow zone. It takes a back and forth to reach the pink zone. Like, hey, this is what I'm talking about. Oh, that's what you're talking about? Is it this? Yeah, it's that. Boom, pink zone. (laughs) So my response to Jeff, I'm happy to hear your response and have explained the items in more detail. For the reviews, I limit myself to one line for each item. With this as a template, there's bound to be some ambiguity. Below is a more detailed explanation. Conscious communication is a passion of mine. I hope to share some thought seeds with you as the next level has offered me many thought seeds over time. Enjoy. These are the communication suggestions. 
Number one, use caution when you is used. Explore who is you. The misuse of you is a keystone component of pishposh words. <laughs> pishposh words are words which are commonly used via subconscious processing as opposed to conscious selection of a word. The misuse of you is a keystone component of pishposh words. Pishposh words are words which are commonly used via subconscious processing as opposed to conscious selection of a word. The misuse of these words cause a listener to assume what a speaker is saying. I call this a yellow zone disconnect. When a speaker misuses the word you, they are speaking from a subconscious word pool, meaning they lack present moment awareness. After years of analyzation of speech, you has become a canary in the coal mine. If a speaker misuses you, I become cautious with their information. Listen for the word you within your own words and the words of others. Be cautious of statements which are set up as follows. When you X, you feel X. To assume an action causes the same feeling for everyone in a uniform fashion is to commit a cognitive fallacy. Each human has unique neuronal wiring and thus a unique experience with stimuli. What are your thoughts on the misuse of you? So I went into a deeper explanation of the misuse of you. And this was one of the paragraphs that an editor pointed out I needed to switch the order of. Instead of starting off with misuse of you as a keystone component of pish posh words, pish posh, I'm like diving right into my own stuff, which Jeff doesn't even know about. So that was not a wise move. If I let off with, when a speaker misuses the word you, they're speaking from a subconscious word pool, meaning they lack present moment awareness. That's a much easier opening. It's easier on the mind to digest, especially because it's new information. So I've learned, <laughs> even in this one week, I have learned a tremendous amount about communication with constructive feedback. I'm grateful Jeff was the first one to jump into the ring with me. He wasn't scared to spar. <laughs> and I'm learning. And the reason why I'm grateful is that he is an intelligent person. That's the perspective that I've gained. And I wrote my responses towards an intelligent person. Let's say if it were Trish Blackwell who have responded. My explanation for her three areas of improvement would be different than Jeff's. And I would feel a need to dumb it down a little bit. Because <laughs> I have stereotypes of her specific capacity. In contrast, I don't know Jeff's capacity. I have no idea where his viewpoints are in terms of these theories. I felt free to experiment with words. Earlier, we spoke about spells and magic. This template is a magical spell. It's like a recipe. It requires a little bit of tweaking, but also offers a known foundation. And I'm glad that known foundation is constructed for what I perceive to be an intelligent audience.
Number two, guide interviews towards productive, action-based topics. Minimize past stories. Encourage people to remain in the present moment with interviews and allow for a single speaker to speak in short bursts, like a tennis match. A person offers a theory, habit, or 10-list item then allows the other person to join the discussion. I also recommend to prime for stories within the last few days as opposed to years. Far too often I hear the same author tell the same three stories on three different podcasts about something which happened 10 years ago. I begin to wonder, has this person done anything interesting in the last 10 years? If so, why tell the same old story three times? Number two is a bit of me venting. (laughs) It's not necessarily directed at Jeff. I wrap it up with, do you have any input on interview interactions with authors and entrepreneurs? He's an above average interviewer, and I'm curious if he recognized the same patterns. I went about a weird way of saying it, but that's kind of what I'm getting at. To take it a step further, I would appreciate his input on the interview coming up with Tim. Did I practice what I preach? Is it a back and forth or is there old stories? Is there action bait? All these things I'm critiquing, do I follow up with what I say? I am a bit burnt out. There are a couple analyzations I've done where the person says the same stories over and over and over, even if it's two years. I checked the date on the podcast, and it's the same stories. (laughs) Oi. That's number two. Guide interviews towards productive, action-based topics. Minimize past stories. Number three. Increase organization of info. Sample with a 10-list format. Yes, it is similar to a list of clear actions. A 10-list offers an effective way to mitigate challenges associated with information transfer from one speaker to listener. The speaker understands core fundamentals, which the listener likely does not. Organizational components, such as a 10 list, create what I call pink zone tangible item. The use of a 10 list, 10 items related to a topic, help keep the speaker focused. Anyone can call themselves an expert and ramble on about a topic during a monologue or interview. Skill, present moment awareness, and basic knowledge of a subject are required to create a 10 list. Anyone can ramble, few can relay basic information about a foreign topic. What are your thoughts towards human processing of new, unfamiliar topics? Enjoy the gifts of new discovery, Leonardo. This one with the 10 lists, (laughs) and it was in constructing this, I was able to meditate and do some thinking about why do I use a 10 list? How did it evolve? And the core of the reason why we use 10 lists and promote 10 lists is because anyone can call themselves an expert and ramble on about a topic during a monologue or interview. Skill, present moment awareness, and basic knowledge of a subject are required to create a 10 list. Anyone can ramble, few can relay basic information about a foreign topic. I've heard many people who call themselves experts. Oh, I'm an expert in this, I'm an expert in that. And then they talk about their beginnings and then their schooling. And it's just rambling 
And then the interviewer says, well, that's all the time we have. And I don't even know what they do. <laughs> and they're an expert in something. Oi. <laughs> so I do like to caution interviewers and interviewees about using a 10 list or being mindful of present moment language. Take that tennis match approach. Go back and forth. Complete feedback loops. Enter pink zones. These sprinkles <laughs> atop an interview will help to increase the effectiveness. That's the goal, I believe, of the majority of interviewers and interviewees is to relay some sort of perspective. That is the goal. I don't believe the goal is to tell stories, but who knows? <laughs> that was my interaction with Jeff Agustinelli of the Next Level Podcast. He engaged an unknown person. He let the, the witch in the house. <laughs> and some magic will be had. <laughs> All right, next up, we have the featured... Mindseed poster, it is stranger. The saying on the poster is smile at a stranger and a stranger will no longer be. The person offering feedback, comments, pro. This reminds me of a saying I have heard before and one that I think is good for people to practice. Human beings are social creatures and thrive off interaction and kindness. My response, I agree. Humans are pack animals who rely on one another for comfort and survival. Similar to dogs, humans feel the presence of other humans in the environment through subconscious sensory input. Consciously, a person may be ignored. Subconsciously, primitive instincts scan the stranger and ask friend or foe. The person's con for smile at a stranger and a stranger will no longer be. This is a saying that sounds nice, but in practice, smiling at people doesn't mean they cease being strangers. Also, the way you've worded this sounds strange. It sounds like you're saying the stranger will no longer exist after you smile at them, LOL. <laughs> I get what you're saying, but I think it makes more sense to say dot, 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 and a stranger they will no longer be. My response? I disagree with your perspective. I believe once a stranger is acknowledged, smiled at, or nodded to, the person is no longer strange. A base level of primitive scanning takes place to access friend or foe during the acknowledgement stage of cognition. If friend, the person goes about their way. If foe, an avoidance signal is raised. Once threat level is established, the person has become a potential ally or anchor. This classification is one above stranger. I selected the words with conscious awareness. As you pointed out, it sounds like you're saying the stranger will no longer exist after you smile at them. Yes, this is the message. The concept of stranger is no longer applicable after acknowledgement takes place. In terms of processing category, the person has switched from an unknown to a primitive biological speculation. 
that is for the mystery mind seed poster stranger i enjoy these feedback sessions this is where a great deal of learning for me takes place and i gain a better understanding of the mind seed posters with feedback <laughs> these posters are a creative endeavor i zone out and create there's very little human ego and rationalization and those kinds of pish-poshy things. I check them at the door. When I create collages, the phone is in airplane mode, I am in cave mode and a part of the art. I'm able to tap into higher levels of consciousness and understand deep lessons that I've learned, which are difficult to articulate. That's what the posters perhaps are at their core. Life lessons I've learned which are difficult to articulate. And an outlet for me are these collages, are these posters. They're a bit funky. <laughs> They're also a bit fun. And I believe I learn from them and other people learn from them. This interaction here is an example of that. I view the word stranger differently than this person views it. The person gave input, I gave input back, and then now both of our perspectives have changed. Both of our brains have grown new neuronal connections, and we have experienced blips of evolution from a poster. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> Science. Weird science. <laughs> okay, mystery mind seed posters for the same price as takeout pizza. A person can expand their cognitive abilities. I encourage folks, think. The next time a takeout or order in pizza is ordered, think of these mystery mind seed posters. <laughs> think of, do I want this pizza? Or do I want a unique cognitive experience? Which one holds more value? Explore. Next up, holistic dental center checkup. Hygienist explained process and gave helpful advice towards overall health. A holistic approach to dentistry was felt. Anxiety minimized as I felt human among other humans. After six months of brushing, Twice daily and regular flossing, my gums and teeth have become healthy once again. I have been on quite a dental roller coaster the last eight months. I move frequently and don't have a regular dentist in dreamland <laughs> when I get stable. That's going to be pretty cool. <laughs> and hopefully... For the time being, it'll be here in Spokane. I have found a dentist I enjoy going to, and it is the Holistic Dental Center off of Indiana with Craig B. Simmons. I'm one of those anxious people at the dentist. I feel like a, a dog at the vet. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know why it's happening to me, and I'm terrified. <laughs> Those were my dental experiences in the past. This last time, due to many factors, I felt comfortable. The hygienist who cleaned my teeth spoke to me about 
overall health. We had talked about my current weight gain and that I feel it's from emotional eating. When I'm starved for critical thought and I don't receive it, I need to dull myself so then I eat. (laughs) And this isn't cutting it anymore. (laughs) And we had talked about intermittent fasting. This is something I had toyed with but hadn't pulled the trigger on. And now I've initiated that. I eat later in the day and I feel like this is a healthier option for me. And I don't emotionally eat in the mornings anymore. And that's at the dentist office. (laughs) I'm receiving a mastermind approach to my holistic health. And this is where I'm optimistic Western medicine will evolve too, is taking a holistic approach. But for now, I enjoy going to a holistic dentist and I recommend people look into it. Look into holistic dentistry as a whole. Do the same. (laughs) Where holistic specialists examine the human as a whole, as a human examine the specialist as a whole. The hygienist and I also talked about flossing. I was told some years ago to get the floss and shove it up into my gums all the way to the tooth and then do that on both sides and it looks really weird. And she said, yes, that's, uh, that's helpful. So in flossing, really get in there. That's, uh, that's what I do. <laughs> I went in there scared because of my past perceptions of what going to the dentist means. And I'm slowly changing that to where now I'm slightly looking forward to my next checkup in January. I want to maintain my holistic health, to keep my weight at a healthy level, to brush and floss on a regular basis, work on nutrient intake, I take calcium and magnesium for other reasons, but it also helps with bone density in the teeth. These components are interconnected. And I am happiest when I take that approach, an interconnected approach, and analyze things from different vantage points. A mastermind symposium of infinite possibility. That is the Holistic Dental Center. Check out holistic dentists and other specialists in the area whichever area that may be. Next up, we have use 3H2 as practice for three by three reviews. Is the action of giving a review in the try stage of cognition? Practice the three by three format with us here at 3H2 Humans. Allow this radio show to be the first step of a do mindset. Engage in a cognitive exercise within public view. Create a system to simplify the act of offering constructive feedback. Build a template of common thoughts. Test ability to relay three areas, well done, and three areas for communication suggestions. Become a constructive voice on the internet. Dedicate a specific iTunes account for reviews and allow this activity to become a habit. Many people benefit when the silent among us speak up. 
use 3H2 for practice for three by three reviews. Sometimes it's scary to do something new. This is new for me. I picked who I thought would be top level thinkers to work through the process with me. I found that when I aim high, I score high. When I aim low, I aim low. So if I picked people who I thought wouldn't have a chance of challenging me or questioning me, engaging me, then it wouldn't be fun. <laughs> this is fun. Learning is fun. I, uh, I'm happiest when I cognify. And we would like to help other people with that. Many days I am intellectually starved. <laughs> if anyone out there would like to throw a scrap, please do so. Offer three areas the show is doing well and three suggestions for improvement. Expose me to new thought. That's what I seek is new thought. The featured art for this episode is the Duncan Gardens at Manitou Park. To view living art, visit the Duncan Gardens in Manitou Park. I am one of the lucky Spokane residents who live near this modern marvel of historic design. Several times a week, I jog through its maze-like layout of meticulously placed flowers and finely trimmed hedges. I feel mental concentration when in the garden. Primitive senses are enhanced as natural beauty is felt. So the Duncan Gardens at Manitou Park, it reminds me of a 1660s castle backyard. Those fancy gardens with geometry. Things are precise and mirrored. The plants are healthy. It's a pristine environment due to meticulous care. I believe gardening to be meditative as well. I imagine the people who maintain that garden receive a meditative benefit, a heightened sense of consciousness due to their concentration level. I enjoy environments such as this. Manitou also has a pond and some other beautiful landscapes. The one I am most drawn to right now and frequently incorporate into a daily jog is the garden. I stumbled upon it <laughs> unexpectedly and was blown away. It is worth a peek. That is the Duncan Garden at Manitou Park. And that wraps it up for today. We appreciate everyone who contributed to this episode. We are a mastermind here at the Mastermind Symposium of Infinite Possibility. Think in terms of infinite possibility. Place markers on the continuum of thought. Recognize these things as living and growing and changing and engage a mindset of do. Mustachio and I would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy. Today is December 
December 8th, 2014, here in lovely San Jose, California, where the temperature topped at 68 degrees. It's uh, quite lovely out. Are you enjoying the sunshine, Tim? Oh, yeah. Okay. Always love the sunshine. <laughs> and today, Mustachio and I are joined by Tim, my brother. So we'll be doing a round of the tarot cards. To start off, we'll do subjects of constructive criticism. What do you think of when you hear the term constructive criticism? Think of something that's very challenging to do. It's challenging to give people criticism and give it to them in a way that they can accept it and feel not really bad about it. I think that's great. And what's kind of neat about us is we're siblings. I think there's kind of a difference with constructive criticism among family members. Mm-hmm. Like, do you get that sense where if the criticism is coming from a loved one or something of that nature, it's a bit easier to absorb? Uh, maybe I would probably probably listen to it more than I would uh, by in the outside world by someone else. I probably would ignore most other people except my friends and family. Yeah. And it, for me sometimes, though, I've found that uh, random strangers offer good advice sometimes, too. Okay, that's our first category. The second one is goals. Uh, yeah, how do you feel about setting goals and achieving goals? I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks about setting goals, and I just I went to a seminar about it, and they were just talking about how it's really important to write down the goals, look at them as often as possible, write them down, and think about them. So I've set a lot of goals for myself recently, so I think goals are important. Who hosted the seminar? My friend. It was just like five or six people. Awesome. I've wanted to attend an event of that nature, but I mm-hmm. haven't made that jump. Mm-hmm. After experiencing that, can you describe it, it a little bit? It was good. He just showed you, showed us um, four people to uh, read their books or listen to their audiobooks. They're motivating. They're about goals just talked about having to write them down and if you write down your goals then the chances of them coming true are a lot higher. I agree with that too. I think writing things down increases accountability. It kind of brings it from strictly the mental world into the physical world by having some sort of tangible object. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So cool. Okay, goals. And I'm glad you went to that seminar. So for people who haven't made that leap What was the motivating factor for you to say, you know, hey, I'm going to dedicate this block of time to better myself and attend this seminar? Uh, Just because they're my friends. The people I went to the seminar with were my friends, and the person who did it is practicing doing these little mini seminars with people. So he needed guinea pigs, (laughs) and I could use assistance on my goals, so it worked out. Well, good, and I'm glad to hear that you are a seasoned guinea pig. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think that kind of shows a piece of your character, too, where your friends are working on seminars for goals and organizing something similar to what I'm trying to do, and we're just, we're reaching out to you. So I think Mm -hmm. that that shows that um, within your peer group, people respect your opinion and participation. Mm -hmm. You get a gold star for that one. (laughs) 
what is a category that you would be interested in talking about? I could talk about making changes in your life or working out, or but they go together. Uh, you know, eating right. Just went back to school for IT, for information security and networking. So I suppose I could talk a little bit about that. Having to completely change my life <laughs> career-wise and go on a completely different path. That's huge. Kind of the sense I'm getting is self-evolution. Would you say that... Yeah, that would work. I'm always trying to improve and change, and I find myself every two or three years, I'm almost a completely different person than I was the prior two or three years. I am so glad you brought up that point. That is something that we talk about on the radio show. A huge component of human beings is changing. Just as you said, if a person is the same person they are today that they were five years ago, that may not be as beneficial for their well-being as if there was an evolutionary component. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's awesome. And two, that it, for me, sometimes I even feel as though after a good night of sleep and learning and doing things, even the next day, I'm, I almost feel like a different person. I'm glad that we kind of feel the same in that sense where it's good to constantly change. Mm-hmm. Okay, so will you shuffle the cards, please? Any way you want, you can cut them, shuffle them, whatever. Uh... I can shuffle them around. These are big cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're, <laughs> they're a bit larger than normal cards. Is that called bridging them? Shuffling them? That's the way I know how to shuffle, is bridging. There we go. Very big cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have much experience with tarot cards? Never. <laughs> Zero experience. <laughs> so this is your first tarot experience? Yeah. How's it going so far? I'm wondering why these cards are so big. <laughs> <laughs> it increases their awesomeness. Maybe. <laughs> here in America, we like everything big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so you feel pretty comfortable with that, or...? Go ahead and go through the deck however you want and grab uh, one card for each of these cards. So you can deal from any spot, how, however you want to do it. So just go through and... Uh, but you don't want to look at them yet. So what you'll want to do is pull a card and then just place it face down next to one of our subject cards. Perfect. Yeah. And then uh, one more bonus card. We'll have uh, Mustachio hold on to that one. The first card for constructive criticism is the Page of Pentacles. Do you see how the rose is on here? Mm-hmm. And they're facing different ways? Mm-hmm. I call that either north or south. Currently, I'm the reader. This is a north-facing card. Mm-hmm. If it were like this, upside down, then it's reversed. Uh-huh. So reversed or north. These cards, the suit is pentacles, and it's the page of pentacles north. So it's the first line. We have resourceful. Conscientious person, splendid prospects. Resourceful. Is there a way that you can see constructive criticism as a resource? Yeah, definitely. If you get 
constructive criticism from a good source, then I think, you know, you could use that to better yourself. Is there a piece of constructive criticism you received recently that has helped you either in, you know, working out or school or just in life in general? Uh, for my uh, IT classes, information security, I did a presentation because I had technical difficulties in the past. I wrote on my slides, I wrote everything I was going to say. Then the professor said that only have like bullet points and then you, you can use the notes to remind you of what you want to say instead of just reading off the slides. Oh, good. I think that's great advice. Do you feel as though in the speech giving that you've been doing, is that sufficient for you? Can you work off the bullet points? Uh, it helps to have the notes that no one else can see. Yeah, but <laughs> presentations have always been hard for me. Have you recorded any of the presentations? No. One of the things that has helped me with speaking and presentations is doing one of the video recordings. So then it shows my posture and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. A neat resource is the abundance of technology here in the Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other keywords here are splendid prospects and conscientious person. So do you feel as a conscientious person uh, can relate to constructive criticism? Uh, I suppose a conscientious person is aware of themselves and their actions and how it affects people and how it intertwines with constructive criticism. Uh, I don't know, maybe a conscientious person would be receptive to constructive criticism, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. And then perhaps, too, that conscientiousness contributes to the splendid prospects through the action of constructive criticism. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay, let's see if there's anything else resourceful. Hmm. And are there any uh, resources that you have or use that may be beneficial to other people, like a, a product or something that you've come across that is awesome that perhaps the average person may not know about? Like Malwarebytes for antivirus, it's free, and it's good at cleaning off malware, which is really easy to get on your computer. You can download it and run scans and it'll clean off a lot of malware out there. Well, that's a good advice. And does that program have a paid program as well? Yeah, you can pay for it if you want. To your knowledge, is it probably okay for the average person to use the free version? Yeah, it's open source. That means anyone's allowed to have access to it. Oh, I just learned what the difference between uh, crowdsourcing and crowdfunding was. So a crowdsource program where a bunch of people got together and created the program? Or, oh, that's different than open... Can open you... source just means that anyone, they release it to the public, so anyone's allowed to just download it for free. Anyone's allowed to have it that wants it. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is there a, a reason why you think that they do that? A lot of products are like that. I'm not really sure. They just make it... They want it to be readily available to everyone, maybe... They figure, oh, they'll like the free cleaning, and then they say, oh, I really like this product, maybe I'll buy it. Hmm. Well, cool. And that's uh, Malware Bytes. Okay, cool. So the next card is goals. Are there any particular goals you're working on at this time? Yeah. Uh, 
I want to get my graduate degree in information security, and there's about five, at least five, IT certifications I'm working towards right now. I got my A+. I'm trying to get my application together for project management. I'm hopefully going to do that on my Christmas break and Network Plus, hopefully too. And then after that, I'm in the end of my school classes for CCNA, Certified Network Administrator, uh, for Cisco products, routers, switches, so I can hook them up and I know how to configure the IP addresses and subnet masks. Um, and then there's a security version of that. I'm going to take a class and get that. And then there's, uh, there's MCSE, Microsoft Certified Engineer, I want to work towards. That's a popular one. And then when I'm getting close to done with school, I want to get a dog. <laughs> and I want to get married in, in the next few years. And, uh, you know, I want to have kids a few years after that. Well, that's good. And, and it sounds like you're prioritizing your goals. And I think that's a, a key component of success. Mm-hmm. And, and with the dog, what kind of dog are you thinking about getting? We want a French bulldog. <laughs> yeah, and they're a little bit like the dog uh, you and I had growing up. Mm-hmm. They're very cuddly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My girlfriend will really like it. Yeah. Yeah, Ashley does love the, uh, the French bulldogs. <laughs> yeah. Two, kind of going back to how you said that you made a career change... How long have you been engaged in the IT world? Uh, a year from last September. Well, so it's pretty new. Relatively new, yeah. Making the transition, or were there some components which helped you with that? Like the, the learning institution or a support system? What do you feel were some of the contributing factors to your current academic success? I focus a lot on school. I have a lot of support from my parents, and they give me advice. And uh, getting sober has made a big difference. So I've been sober. I just had my sixth year anniversary a few days ago. It's actually your birthday. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So that made a big difference. The, my undergraduate degree was really difficult. Now when I'm sober, now school is a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> Well, and that's in some ways, I think, contrast to some other people's thinking of, you know, having to drink and all that stuff to party as a part of school. But it seems as though perhaps that may be more of a, a hindering. Uh, yeah, definitely hindered me. Uh, well, I was not focused on school enough. Big distraction. Well, that's great. Uh, six years sober and mm-hmm. changing careers. And it, it sounds like uh, things are on the right path. Yeah. And I'm just about to have a three-year anniversary with my girlfriend. Oh, wow. Three years already. Mm-hmm. Time flies when you're having fun. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It goes by very fast. <laughs> okay, so that's great. We've kind of set up for the goals. So let's see what the card is. It's the five of wands reversed. And we'll go to the wands. Oh, this is an appropriate keyword, challenge. In what ways would you say goals are challenging? Because you could set goals, which you're not sure if you can accomplish, but you're going to set them and attempt to do it, even though you're not sure if you can get there. 
Okay, and the other part of the card is uh, quarrels and misunderstandings. How do you feel quarrels and misunderstandings play a role in goals? Quarrels and misunderstandings. Uh, I don't know, misunderstanding with goals. Maybe someone has certain goals and their partner doesn't understand them. So there's misunderstandings. Yeah, it is kind of a tough way to bring it around. Um, but it does seem as though uh, misunderstandings can be a challenge. When you come across a misunderstanding, what are some of the ways that you're able to rectify the misunderstanding? There's a misunderstanding. I just try to explain my side and try to understand the other person's side and try to come to an agreement. If we can't, then I kind of move to the next subject. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that is kind of a, in some ways, a uniquely male quality. Is It seems as though the male brain is a bit easier to kind of listen to both sides, give it a little bit of attention, and then move on. Whereas it seems women hold on to things, I think, a bit, a bit more. I think you are blessed to have the male brain <laughs> of being able to, <laughs> to let that go sometimes. Because I would say that's one of my biggest complications when having a misunderstanding, especially as it relates to a goal, is rectifying of the misunderstanding. For me, I have to have it resolved. I will just pick and pick and pick until I feel satisfied with the result, but I think in some cases it is beneficial to kind of do one's best and then move on. Mm -hmm. Do you have any anything else about goals or? Goals, I mean, I want to get a good IT job when I graduate, so that'll be challenging to find the right job that I enjoy. It could be a challenge. And have you decided what that job is, what the parameters of the job are? Not really. More of a going to pick a company I like that has good, hopefully, resources and that's well-known and that can give me good experience. Go for a job there. Going uh, more of that route as opposed to being a uh, contractor? I don't need, I don't have any set job I need to have. I mean, I would just go with uh, a few different jobs I would want and look for the right fit for a company. And I think in some ways that is a, a more stable route to go, is to find, as you're saying, a good, reputable company that will offer some benefits, stability, opportunities for growth. In some ways, almost maybe like an internship to get that, you know, uh, hands-on world experience with IT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be applying for internships too. Oh, Cool. And uh, it seems as though you're in a pretty good spot. <laughs> mm -hmm. San Jose. Yep, Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Holla. <laughs> okay, so the next one is self-evolution. Is there any tip or couple tips that have really helped with your self-evolution? Hmm. Tips. Well, I mean, I... Main thing that helped me was just to quit drinking, stop getting in my own way, stop bringing myself a lot of pain that I didn't need to be going through. And then that just I changed everything, my whole outlook, and I've been able to accomplish a lot more, and my relationships are better, and uh, more motivated, I have a lot more time to do things that I need to do or I want to do. 
So it's I'm more focused on what's important. I think that's that's great for self evolution. And one of the things that you've taught me and helped me with was exercising and eating healthy. Because I, at my heaviest, was 220 pounds. At five foot five, I was obese. And then you and some of your friends and Harold kind of took me under your wing and went to Gold's Gym. And I, that was a huge changer for my self-evolution. And one key tip that you had said was, you know, there's always time to exercise. It's simply a matter of making it a priority. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that's uh, a great tip that I've learned from you. And it seems as though in your life, you've maintained the consistency of that variable of working out and having uh, proper nutrition. Yeah. Me and Ashley, we cook meals together. I cook my own food and then I cook with her. On Sundays, we cook four meals together. Plus, I have my chicken or my steak and my salmon and steamed rice, steamed vegetables. So that lasts me the whole week. So I just eat leftovers the whole week. And it's low fat, low carb, high protein. And uh, uh, with working out, I've made it a priority. It's more than just being skinny or lean. It's... Uh, it's also chemically, like endorphins. I found that it's very important for me to have those endorphins on a daily basis for my mood and for me to be happy. And it's a anti-stressor. If I'm only going to do two things, you know, I'm either going to go to work or slash work, do schoolwork, and then I also want to work out. Kind of have that as a, in a sense, a daily goal is to yeah. focus on uh, working out and then uh, schoolwork. Or work work. Yeah. That's great. What do you do on the days where it's a bit difficult? How do you kind of... Well, I don't work out every day. On, sometimes on the weekend, if I'm just really busy, then I won't. A lot of social things going on. Sometimes I'll skip. Or Sunday, having people over for barbecue, and I got a lot of schoolwork, I might skip. But, I mean, for the most part, I go about five to six days a week. And the way my schedule is right now, it's really easy, but I'm just wondering how I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know, I'm going to have to get up early and do it in the morning, or I'm not sure, but I'm going to have to make it work somehow. When I have a typical 9 to 5-ish kind of job, or even more hours than that, it's a priority. I want to work out after work, or I'm going to have to work out before work. So it does kind of sound like you've ingrained it so much into your schedule that during the week there almost isn't that voice in the back of the head saying, oh, you don't have to work out today. Has that pretty much been silenced? I look forward to it. I'm used to the good feeling. If I don't go, like, for example, every once in a while I get pretty sick, too sick to work out really, so maybe I'll take a week off or a week or a week, 10 days off. Then on my first day to go back, then sometimes I may start making excuses. Oh, I have too much work. I should be spending it on work. And then I just think, oh, no, I should just go anyways and just go and just do it. So, it, yeah, and too, it kind of sounds like that for you um, and for me as well, working out is kind of a 50-50 split. 50% for the physical benefits of keeping a lean body as well as the mental and cognitive benefits that go mm -hmm. along. Yeah, sometimes I don't feel like work, uh, doing paper or something. I'll go to the gym first, and that will make it easier to want to sit down and spend all that time on a paper. And I think that's a great point for uh, struggling students is if that 
lock-in focus is not producing the desired results too. Go outside for a jog, go down to the gym, or even do a couple push-ups. Do something to, as you're saying, get those endorphins going, to get to switch kind of the the biology of the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just kind of gets me going to go work out. It gives me more energy usually. All right, so let's see what the cards have to say for self-evolution. The Seven of Swords. And we'll go to the swords. Um, ooh, Seven of Swords is dishonesty. How do you feel dishonesty may play a role in self-evolution? Uh, well, if you're not honest to yourself, you probably won't admit to yourself certain things that need to be changed. You probably won't make changes if you don't. If you're not honest with yourself about how things really are. I think you said it simply and beautifully. Uh, if a person is in that denial mindset, then and not honest with themselves, saying, hey, changes need to be made. I'm not fully happy with the variables in my life now. It's time to change them. Mm-hmm. And this is a complication I've come across in talking with people and working within my own relationships is sometimes I feel as though I can see something, but the person isn't quite ready to absorb that uh, information. And I think you and I, perhaps due to our family environment of constantly changing and having a focus on self-evolution, it's a bit easier for us to kind of recognize weaknesses How do you figure out when it's time to give a variable in your life extra attention to promote self-evolution? When I fail at something. Oh. I don't dwell on it. I just figure out, well, I'm in a mistake, and I know, figure out what I'm going to do next time so it doesn't happen again. Would you say avoiding making the same mistake twice? Yeah, definitely. Always, (laughs) never like to repeat mistakes. If I make (laughs) it... A mistake, if it happens once, I usually fix it. If it happens a couple times, then I totally prioritize it to where it will happen the way I want it to. And I think you brought up a great point where if there are repeated mistakes, to prioritize it. I think that's mm-hmm. oftentimes uh, where there are complications. Okay. Um, we have cunning. Sacrifice to succeed. How do you feel sacrificing to succeed relates to self-evolution? You know, sometimes you got to prioritize your life, focus more on certain things and less on other things, which are less priority, less important. So you spend less time on that stuff and you spend more time on what you perceive as important. I always like to, you know, do something fun on Friday or Saturday night, but if I have a project due really soon and I know I'm not on track, then I'll, you know, spend Friday or Saturday night on schoolwork instead of doing some fun. Or if something fun comes up and I know that I need that time to do schoolwork, then I'll just, I just, I'm in the habit of telling everyone, no, I can't. But if it's really important, then I do. But usually I tell people I'm busy. I can't. And how do you feel that seemingly simple phrase, no, I'm unable to make that commitment, how do you feel that's contributed to your success? Uh, It's a lot. 
that's helped because I used to, when I was younger, I used to always tell everyone, oh, yes, I can, I can, I can, and overcommit and not be able to follow through, <laughs> or I would fail because I wasn't focusing on what's important. And I like the word you used, overcommit. I think that that is something that gets in the way of self-evolution as well as prioritizing goals is overcommitting. And I think that kind of causes trouble in one's social environment as well as inside one's own head to think, oh my gosh, I have all these things, I can't do anything, where it becomes uh, overwhelming. Don't overcommit. Um, seven, cunning. That's kind of a strange word. Do you feel as though cunning can be related to any of these topics? Are you looking up the definition? Yeah, checking what skill employed in a shrewd or sly manner, as in deceiving, craftiness, gully. Uh, the other one is adeptness and performance, dexterity. Hmm. Cunning. How cunning relates to self-evolution or how it relates to which? Any of them. Any of them that just kind of, it seems like the, the cunning would relate to. Self-evolution, well, the uh, cunning... Well, the, the thing that comes to my mind when I hear cunning is the cunning and baffling. And that's what alcoholism is to an alcoholic. It's just kind of takes you by surprise and you don't even really know it's there, but it's, it's very tricky. Wow, that's very insightful. I, I haven't heard that phrase. Can you explain it a bit more? Cunning and baffling is just something they say about alcohol, that it's... It can play with your mind. It tricks you into thinking things that are insane. <laughs> if you're an alcoholic. <laughs> Probably a lot of people don't have that issue. But for the some people that do, thinking about all your thoughts about alcohol for an alcoholic uh, can be really twisted up. And you can think that it's your friend and it's good for you. But really it's ruining your life and you don't even realize it. Or you do realize it and you still do nothing. And you continue the behavior of drinking and drinking and expecting a different result. And you get the same results over and over. That's definition of insanity. So for an alcoholic, drinking is insane. I think you brought up a good point too, is that with the cunning and baffling, that it is kind of a, a false reality, which is created in a sense by a vice. It could be something, someone could have a, a shoe addiction, buying hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of, of shoes and then you know, going into financial problems. It, it does seem as though the phrase of cunning and baffling and the thought process behind it can be related to many subjects. Yeah, addiction. Mm. Addiction could be cunning, cunning and baffling. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that they have certain addictions. And now, in the beginning, I didn't really see how cunning was a part of the self-evolution, but now I'm beginning to see perhaps that cunning component of addiction is a, a large hindrance in self-evolution. And it seems as though perhaps one of the reasons why you're doing so well is that you were able to silence that and to remove that from your life and put the self-evolution in the forefront. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. So very cool. Okay, so for the bonus card, uh, you are going to read the bonus card. So here's the card, and then you get to pick the topic. 
Am I looking at the card? Yeah, yeah. So go ahead and look at the card. The Fool. Ooh. <laughs> it's like a joker. He's uh, going to juggle or he's going to dance around and uh, entertain people. Perfect. Um, look on those cards. So it'll be in the, it'll be one of the red cards. And it's card zero. Pink? Yes. And they're numbered. Uh, what, what number is that? So you have 15, 16. Okay. So we want number zero. Read the first line. Zero, the fool. Draw extra card. Eccentric, lawless, inventive, unexpected. Follow the flow of the universe. Pay attention to synchronicity, nature. Ooh, and, and, and that's just the first line? Just yeah, you did perfect. That's, um, so see the R there? That's if it was reversed. So we have it north facing, so it is the, this part. The action is to draw another card. So go ahead and draw another card. Do I look at it? Yeah. Nine. The hermit. The hermit. Oh, I love the hermit. <laughs> I myself am quite a hermit. <laughs> what does the hermit have to say? The hermit. There must be more than this. Ben Solo time, R.E. Center. Read that too? Yeah. Experience new stimuli. Discard dogmas. Explore new options. Do any of those words or phrases or anything kind of grab you in a certain way? Uh, I mean, that's, that's how I, there must be more than this. Um, it's probably what I was thinking when I used to drink alcohol. Uh, you know, I used to wonder, is there more to life than this? found through AA that there's other people like that and together they have a program and you follow it and then it's uh you can change your life there must be more than this is what I used to think I used to wonder and now I don't wonder that's awesome you feel a bit more fulfilled now yeah definitely I think that's a great distinction to make from and almost seeming like the fool to the hermit <laughs> like mm -hmm. kind of uh changing that mindset and working more on oneself mm -hmm. uh, i used to have hermit tendencies isolation try to get rid of that to be happier it seems like you've done very well with the barbecues you have going to sporting events you went to the goal setting seminar your friends were doing mm -hmm. um are there other groups or activities you participate in uh no just i keep in touch with my friends from high school i have made some friends at my current school i go to my college devry university oh uh, yeah and aa support groups although i've been pretty busy recently with school so i don't i don't go as often as i used to but i still go that just Ashley my girlfriend and you know her friends on occasion you know now I'm with I have schoolwork so I'm a little more of a hermit I guess but I do try to get out and do stuff I don't like to spend a lot of time hanging out at home alone or hanging out although I do we do hang out here a lot it's just easier I have a lot of schoolwork and then we're kind of too tired to do anything and then we just have dinner watch a movie or something when I was an alcoholic, I got into the extent where I would was satisfied with just getting drunk by myself and staying home. And so that was really unfulfilling. And even, it was a hard habit to break, even after I was sober for a couple of years. 
I still wanted to do that. And I found I'm more happy when I'm getting out and I'm seeing people and I'm doing things. Every once in a while, at least. I, I think that's a great uh, perspective to share. And that sometimes it is hard for people who are stuck in that mindset of there must be more than this to hear your story of how you've experienced both sides of the fence. It does seem as though you have a much more thriving life now that you've experiencing more. Mm-hmm. And I would uh, get out and experience life. I get out and then well, another component of that is just get out and be with my friends, hang out with family or friends. It's a lot more fulfilling than maybe just staying home alone and, I don't know, watching TV for me, personally. But everyone's different. Some people like that time to re-energize and stay home alone. But I try to avoid it. If I have to do it, then I do it. It's not a big deal. But my goal is to hang out with people and be doing stuff. I think that's a great goal. And you're starting to motivate me to do the same. I've been kind of hole up in my own little cave world and speaking with you reminds me that yes I too enjoy being a part of friend groups and being more active in the community than just kind of hunkering down and zoning off into my own world so I'm a bit more motivated now (laughs) and there was one can you get the fool card one more time I was wondering if you had heard the term synchronicity before. No, but I can look it up. Yes, I think that would be great. There are different ways to explain synchronicities. It's a relatively new term, I believe. Yeah, I definitely recommend people, if they don't have a smartphone, that they should get a smartphone. <laughs> because you can, it can change your life if you're motivated to use it. Yeah, smartphones, it's amazing with a a dictionary, a phone, map apps, all the stuff that a phone can do. Yep. It's almost like having a little magician in one's pocket. Synchronicity is the occurrence of two or more events that appear to be meaningfully related but not casually related. Synchronicity holds that such events are meaningful coincidences. Where are your thoughts on coincidences, synchronicities... Um, because that's one of the representations of the fool card is essentially being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as though you have those tendencies where it's just kind of almost spooky in a sense where everything goes perfectly? Uh, I wouldn't say perfectly, but I'd say there's times when I was in places and it was felt like fortunate. I was fortunate to be there at that time. So I'm grateful for it. Oh yeah, and synchronicities could be little things like, let's say you're hungry and then Ashley's hungry too and then she makes a a meal that you were craving. Little things like that can be synchronicities as well. Do you feel like there are, in a sense, kind of magical coincidences? Uh, I don't know about that, (laughs) but I know when she gets home from work and I'm studying... I try to coordinate my schedule so we will maybe eat together. And does it seem like that coordination works out most of the time? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but I try to make time for her when she comes home at least to talk to her for 15 minutes if I couldn't wait for her to eat. So I ate without her and then I have work to do. So I'll try to stop what I'm doing for like at least 15 minutes and just talk to her to see how she's doing. 
That's very considerate. I think uh, sometimes in people's busy lives, it's hard to remember how important small gestures of that nature are to simply stop what you're doing and give your undivided attention to your girlfriend. I think uh, men out there, you can take notes. (laughs) (laughs) And women too. It just, it, it feels nice when people in the environment are promoting self-evolution, good feelings, those types of things, and, and working together. Synchronicity. All the variables are lined up, and people and objects in the environment are kind of working with someone as opposed to against them. Because in theory, you could have the mindset of, oh, you know, my girlfriend's home, I, I don't want to talk to her, Bob, but I think it's great that you have the perspective of embracing that and making the effort. All right, well, is there anything else that uh, sticks out to you or that you wanted to comment on? Well, I do like fantasy football. Yeah. I've been listening to <laughs> Sirius Radio. I have it in my car, and they have, a fantasy, they have a, a fantasy channel, fantasy sports channel. I think it's really helped me for my leagues. Right now I'm in the championships in both oh. in two leagues next week. So I might finally get a win, even though I know so much about football and I'm so passionate about it, yet I can never win in fantasy football. I don't know. It feels like it's a lot of luck, but so I might get that. That's just a fun thing. But uh, I don't know. I think it's good to be looking at yourself and trying to make changes and, you know, because the world always changes around you. And if we're not adapting to the world, then then we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I I think that's a great uh, little tidbit to, uh, to end on, to be those changes, to actively pursue goals. What would you say to actively pursue? Uh, goals is part of it, but if you have weaknesses, you might want to f- spend some time on self-reflection. I remember when I went to rehab, I was able to take a step back from my life because in the daily hustle and bustle, you get caught up in everything and it's hard to take a step back and figure out what's important. So I was able to take 30 days off of my life and just focus on myself and my dreams and goals and what I wanted to accomplish. And that was all the goals I set at the rehab I accomplished. And now I, every few years, I meet, uh, you know, I make new goals and I usually accomplish most of them. That's awesome. That's great. And, uh, well, thank you, Tim, for uh, joining Mustachio and I today here in lovely uh, Silicon Valley. We would like to wish everyone health, happiness, and a humble perspective. Diligence today equals a thriving community tomorrow. Enjoy.